So this book, Brandon, is about Wallace. Can you introduce us to Wallace? Certainly. So Wallace is a young gay black man from the American South who is pursuing a graduate degree in biochemistry in the Midwest. And, you know, he's in his mid to late 20s and he's reached that age in a young person's life when they've got to figure out what it is they want to do for the rest of their life and what sort of person they want to be. How much of Brandon Taylor can I find in the character of Wallace? I think that if you if you look at it from, you know, quite a distance away, Wallace and I are quite similar. You know, I I was once a young black gay man from the American South living in the Midwest during a science degree. Um, so, you know, the gross morphological features of our lives, there's a lot of overlap there. But I think, you know, I also show up in a lot of other ways. You know, Wallace is a sort of composite character of things that I've experienced, yes, but, you know, things that my friends my other queer Black friends have also experienced. And, you know, I'm in there, but, you know, I, I consider Wallace less me directly and more compositive. Different stories I've heard about being a grad student. Mm. I mean, he is the only Black man in this science course. Does he see himself as, you know, the, the token Black man on campus? I think that there are moments... Um, where Wallace does, like, in, I think the novel says something like in his less generous moments, he thinks that he's only there because he's, because he's Black. But I think that, you know, I don't think that that's the only way he sees himself. And I don't think that that's the only way that the people around him see him. I think it's really, you know, his attitude about that changes almost by the moment, which I think is very true to life. In what way? Well, you know, I think that when you are, when you're unlike everyone else who's around you, whether it be in an academic program or a workplace, I think that there are moments when you feel like, am I only here because they were trying to fill some sort of quota? You know, moments when you aren't very generous to yourself or even very generous to the people around you. And so I think that kind of negative, overly harsh thinking is is quite common. I know I myself have fallen victim to, to beating myself up in that way. Brandon, you said there you did a science degree. Uh, what led you from science to writing? Oh, um, well, I was doing a PhD in biochemistry and, you know, I, I was always a writer. I was always writing little stories and making things up as a child. And But it became increasingly clear to me that I would have to make a, a choice about what I wanted to do with my life. And, you know, I, I had sort of reached a really difficult phase of my dissertation work where it became clear to me that I needed to maybe start thinking about some backup plans. Um, as I think every scientist, there's a moment when the science isn't working well and you're just like, I got to have a, a an exit strategy here. Um, and so my exit strategy was to, to think really deeply about maybe trying to be a writer, something I'd always wanted to be, but had never imagined for myself. So you know, it was really that the pressure of graduate school led me to make a few concrete steps toward becoming a writer. And then science started working again and the writing started working really, really well. And so then I was really, I had a real problem then. Are there any parts of being a biochemist that really lend themselves to being a writer, Brandon? 
I think there's so many things about being a biochemist that lend themselves to being a writer. One is just like a, a, um, a stamina for doing the same thing over and over, you know, with very little reward. You know, I think that when you're a writer, you sit in your office and at your desk and you you sort of chisel away at the the large project that is a novel with no real knowledge of like what's going to come out of it. Like it could just now, it could just not work. It could become nothing. And, and that was very much the case of, you know, being a scientist where you're working at your lab bench and you don't know if the experiment's going to work. And if it fails, you don't know why it failed. And, you know, and so I think there's just this great overlap between the two in terms of just needing a stamina for the work itself. Um, but then also thinking about the larger questions in, in life and how does one organize a set of inquiry around those larger questions. I, I think that my training as a scientist was quite critical to my, you know, my, my desire to write a novel and, and to write fiction. Wow. Uh, and this book happened really quickly from my understanding. You wrote the manuscript for real life in, was it five weeks? Yeah, five weeks. That's um, incredible. One, one frenzied draft uh, in late April and early May, yeah. <laughs> what do you think propelled you to, to, to work that fast? I think part of it was that I, I just wanted to get it done. You know, I, I didn't want to spend a lot of time on it because at the time it just seemed like if I let myself think that I had a year or two years or however many years, then I was just not going to get it done. I was going to feel no urgency to get it done. For me, you know, understanding my own psychology, I just knew that if I, if I gave myself any leeway or any freedom at all, I was just going to, to take forever. And I, and then, so I decided if I was going to write the novel, it needed to be really quickly. I just needed to to get on with it and 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 to make sure that I wasn't being, you know, a bit of a, you know, a lazy bones about it. And and what a success, you know. This is your debut novel and now it has been shortlisted for the Booker Prize. What has this ride been like? I mean, quite surreal. I think every debut writer has this fear that their work is going to go out into the world and no one's going to notice. You know, the the one of my friends says the calm before the calm, <laughs> which is like publishing a book. Um, and so I was prepared for that. I was prepared for no one really caring about this book or or wanting to read it. And, and I had made my peace with that. I decided that I was going to write for myself and for from my friends and for queer black readers. And, and I was going to be happy if maybe five people read the book and picked it up. And so for the book to go out into the world and for so many people to, to read the book and to, to feel seen by it and to, to have enjoyed it and, and to people who, who feel, you know, a lot of different things for poor Wallace, that's been really, really amazing. And then on top of that, for it to be recognized by, you know, one of the great literary prizes of the world, like that is just, I didn't even imagine <laughs> that for myself. So it's been, you know, it's been a real gift over and over. Every single time a reader reaches out to say that they've read this book, it's it feels like a gift for me and it, it just feels like extra. <laughs> mm. It's interesting you say that you wrote this for you and your friends. You wrote this with a queer Black audience in mind. But obviously the appeal of this book is far broader than that. Have you been able to figure out why it does appeal to such a wider audience than the audience you had in mind? Well, I think part of it is that 
if you tell a story with your whole heart and if you tell a story about human characters who are going through real things, then readers, no matter their walk of life, will recognize that, you know, like, I think we do a lot, we pay a lot of lip service to diversity and to say, and like, of course, I say I wrote this first and primarily for myself and for my friends. But what I was trying to do was to write a character like myself and to imbue that character with as much as human complexity as I could summon. And I just feel really, you know, validated that readers have acknowledged that, that they've felt that that character and the characters in the book are like people they know, <laughs> you know, like they're like, I have friends like this, or I have a sister like this. And, and that for people who are nothing like me to feel that for these characters, has just been really special and really lovely. So I think that's what it is. I just think it's, if you write with your whole heart, if you write a character fully and with real human complexity, then I think readers respond and resonate with that. Brandon, uh, this wild ride you're on happens at quite a strange time in the world as this coronavirus pandemic continues. Uh, this is a, a big question, but I wondered if you had any thoughts about this time in history and what this might mean for fiction going forward, what kind of fiction we might see come out of this period. Yeah, I mean, I've been thinking a lot about how even consuming books that were written before the pandemic, every time someone touches their face or hugs another character, I do a little, you know, preemptive flinch or cringe. Um, and so I, I am thinking a lot about what the future of fiction will look like and wondering if it'll be something like here in the States with 9-11, where there wasn't a huge profusion of fiction that seemed to take on the, the larger ramifications and echoes of that of that catastrophe. And that seemed to sort of have a long, quieter tale. And I wonder if the pandemic will be will be similar, if we'll see the fiction, we'll see fiction come to, to that subject a little more slowly than something like nonfiction. I think nonfiction is already boots on the ground. You know, Zadie Smith is like breaking the sound barrier, writing about this moment. Um, and I think that in fiction, these things tend to have a longer, quieter tale. And, and I think we'll start seeing fiction that that really... I would love to see fiction that really takes on our institutions and, and defamiliarizes us in fiction in the same way that this pandemic has forced us to become quite estranged from the status quo. So that's what I'm that's what I'm anticipating. A lot of a lot of fiction that on the surface perhaps doesn't look different from what is out there now, but is sort of more deeply interrogating questions of like how our society is stitched together, that sort of thing. Um, and maybe we'll see fewer dinner parties in fiction. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon Taylor, I adored Wallace and this book. Congratulations on your shortlisting and thank you for your time. Oh, thank you so much. This was a pleasure. 